Hey, it's Erin Anderson from Live Big Co. And you're listening to the Power to Be podcast. This season is all about the art of leadership. My guests are from all over the world. They are leaders, healers, artists, coaches, and game changers. They are the real deal. Although if you ask them, they'll say they're simply following a calling. Together, we dive into meaningful conversations about their passion, motivation, and expression in the world. We'll explore the challenges that leaders are faced with in generating inspiration in this ever-changing global environment. There's something here for you to discover. So listen in, and you'll soon find out that the secret to their success lies not in how they lead, but in who they are. Let's find out what this week's guest has the power to lead. Hello, Daniela. Hi, Erin. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I, uh, you and I were just chatting a little bit about what this is all about and um, some of the reasons why I reached out to you to see if you would be you know, um, gracious enough to come on. And um, I'll reiterate what you and I were just talking about. Sure. Um, yeah, just to cue up the listeners. I, um, I thought about in the season two of the Power to Be podcast, I really wanted to um, talk to people who already had a sense of the, the power that they have the, of their being, of who they're being in the world. And when I thought of, of that, people who have the power to be themselves, you know, who have the power to, to be a leader, I thought of you uh, immediately and maybe not for the reason you think. <laughs> I, I I thought of you because of your multidimensionality, because of the the way that I've um, experienced you being someone who sort of constantly surprises me, and who constantly sort of shows up as. Um, Oh, by the way, I'm also an expert in this area, and I'm also an expert in that area. I don't know. You just you just sort of seem to dazzle me in this very humble. Um, kind, serene way, you know, even you may not feel serene, but you seem <laughs> that way to me. Um, so t- yeah, just like, tell us, tell us a little bit about you. Like, Hey, Danielle, nice to meet you. Tell me about you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny hearing you say that, uh, before I sort of tell you about that, just cause I, 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 I feel like I sometimes take that for granted. Like, it's just what I do. I do a little bit here and there. And it's funny when you ask me that question, like, tell me about you. I'm like, well, where do I begin? Like, right. I can talk to you about work or I can talk to you about music or all these. With me context. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, just kind of starting out, um, you know, I'm, I'm a mom of two lovely, beautiful kids. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm someone who, you know, really cares about people and loves the power of connection and possibility when you meet someone who's a marketer, someone who's an engineer, this or that, and you kind of put them together and see what's possible when you're able to make those connections. And that's who I see myself as. I'm that integrator, that, you know, jack of all trades, uh, master of possibility. That's my new phrase. Ooh. Well, I love master of possibility. I think that's wonderful. And so tell, tell us a bit about your background, you know, wh- where, what did you study in school? Like, where, wh- yeah, tell us a bit about more, like, what do you, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. So uh, I went to the University of Michigan, go blue, um, <laughs> and I studied engineering there. So I'm an engineer by trade. Um, and it was funny because while I was there, I kind of, you know, since I was probably five years old, I knew that I wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> it's like mm. one of those kids you like ask them, you know, it's like, oh, what do you want to be a gr- when you grow up? I'm like, I want to be a biomedical engineer. And people looked at me like, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, what, I, so what is a, bi- what did you say? A biomedical? Biomedical. I mean, I'm not, I didn't end up studying that, but that's, I don't know, at five years old, I figured I, I learned about like people who did like artificial limbs and hearts and things. And I thought that was really cool. Wow. Yeah. At a young age, you saw the possibility when you can engineer something, right? Totally. Um, and so, so what did you, you studied a different type of engineering? I did. I, I did a, a double major in electrical engineering and then sound engineering at the music school. Um, and it was really cool because I've been a, you know, I had been a classical pianist since age four and always thought that 
it was separate. Like I can do my music stuff and that's one thing. And I can do my school stuff and, you know, total nerdy straight A student. And I didn't, it, it didn't really dawn on me until I was uh, in college that you could actually combine both of those things. And that was really the first like, aha moment where it's like, okay, there's a whole slew of technology that is used to even understand the sound waves. Like you can use like really complicated math just to understand how sound works uh, and then take that into the recording studio and learn like how to like write the code that makes the volume knob or the EQ knobs or the reverb and all that stuff like happen. And so that was super exciting to see again that connection of that possibility, uh, and that's where the sort of dual major between the electrical engineering and sound engineering came to be. What do you think the code is that makes connection possible with people? What's the code? Like, what do you? What? Are the, yeah. What? What needs to be there? Oh, I think a willingness and an openness. Like, for like, there has to be an intention that you want to connect uh, to even be able to. Uh, and then it's really, for me, it's really about communication, just being able to have that, uh, that practice of, of openness and understanding and communication so that you can, you know, empathize where that person is and then see that, uh, that possibility. Wow. I love that. I just, I had to ask is it was, it was all I could think about because you talked about how much you love people and your mom and you, you have this really, um, you know, other side of your brain that's really high functioning that is able to, you know, study engineer. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, biomedical engineering and sound and electrical and math and stuff. And, and I, I started, started to get like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then when you start, <laughs> when you start thinking about, you know, connecting people and, um, you know, there's a code that makes things that makes connection happen. I, I started to think, wow, you're right. There is a code that makes connection happen. And, what I re really appreciate about what you just said is it feels like there's a formula that's been running in your operating system that makes connection happen, which is, you know, intention, communication, practice, and empathy. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Totally. So tell us about what you do for work now. So I work for a company called Lovingly. And um, basically, it's, it's a new way to send flowers online. And we provide the technology and the connection. <laughs> uh, yeah. Between, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you'll see a theme here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> between, you know, people who want to send flowers and, and send a beautiful gift and local uh, florists all throughout the U.S. and Canada. And I am the VP of product and growth. So I hold the vision of what we're building, the technology behind what we're doing and why, and, and really help, uh, you know, galvanize the company around that and, and sort of, uh, I get to make uh, a lot of decisions every day that we're going to build this or not build that and, and things like that. And what, and what guides some of your decisions as you build things? Yeah, I think, um, ultimately if you, if you like sort of roll it up to, you know, our, our mission and vision at, at Love and it's, it's about, um, strengthening relationships ultimately, like that's a high, very high level vision. So it comes back down to, to people. So there's two people out there who are celebrating, uh, some moment, whether it's uh, a birthday, an anniversary, uh, a, a new baby, or, or even, you know, commemorating someone's life. There's so many different moments, uh, that flowers are used for. So I think, you know, it really comes down to being there for that per person in that moment and helping them celebrate it. Um, mm. and, and what's interesting about that is if you look at traditional kind of e-commerce patterns online, it's very transactional. It's like, okay, I got to go buy a coat for myself. I know what I like. I go look for the color, blah, 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 blah. With flowers, it's a little bit different. And that emotional state of that person is different because they could be in a joyous mood or they could be suffering and, and you know, flowers are what are helping them in that moment or what they're, what they want to express. So ultimately what guides us is trying to really understand what that state of that person is, what their goal is and, and being there for them and, and guiding them through that process of buying flowers because I don't know about you. I am not a flower expert. I don't know much about flowers, even though I'm in the floral industry. I know so, what I like. Yeah. 
for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that, that's sort of the, the role that we play in, you know, being that guide and then being that connecting engine to the, the local florist who has an amazing craft and ability to make that emotion come to life. They really are artists, aren't they? For sure. Yeah. And that fl- the florist industry is, is, uh, is, s- is such a heartfelt industry, one that, you know, they're, they're just so passionate about what they do. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have so many different stories of, you know, our, our, uh, we, our partners or lovingly moment makers, as we call them, the florists, mm. uh, you know, who have started, like they've been like this generation, um, you know, in the industry and like businesses passed down from, you know, grandparents to parents to, to the new kids now. And it's just really cool because they have all this artistry and craft and, you know, they're able to they know the meanings behind the flowers and then they know the emotion or the intention of the, the person who wants to send a gift and they're able to, able to combine those into uh, you know, a beautiful arrangement. Yeah. I love, uh, you know, these themes coming together of you, you, Daniela, being the person who engineers connection, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. How else do you find that you do that? That how else do you find that you engineer connection? I think it's funny. It's, I think it's just such a, it's just what I do. I, it's hard for me to like pinpoint an, an actual example. The one thing that's coming up right now, which is almost, uh, I'm almost laughing at it because it's a, from the past, actually my first job out of college, uh, I actually got in trouble for being a connector. Mm. <laughs> um, and it was a similar thing. It was in work and I was a, a systems engineer at the time. It was more, more code stuff. and like. I could see, you know, the applications engineer working with the, um, you know, designer and, and basically they weren't communicating well. And even though I wasn't an expert in those individual areas, I was just able to ask the right questions to sort of unlock that, that higher level of conversation or, or unlock the thing that needed to happen. And I think that's, that's really what the common theme is. Again, back to communication like I don't always know the answer, but I can help ask the question that'll then sort of open up that possibility for the the conversation or the idea or the solution to to, uh, to be able to come out. It, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how you know your expertise, your leadership, your intuition was uh, there to offer something you know, that was really needed. And yet there wasn't any permission there. And they were like, well, actually, we didn't ask you to do that. Right. Yeah. No, it's, oh my gosh. Like it's such a funny example. I used to sit in the cube right next to my boss and I would like fire off an email about something and like literally two seconds after sending, like pressing send, I'd hear no Daniela. And I'm like, oh crap. I'd like sink in my seat <laughs> and be like, what do I do now? And like, I'd like come over with my head hanging down. I'm like, all right, like what happened? And like, you'd rattle off all this stuff of like what I wasn't supposed to do or why that I try to talk to these people. That's not in my you know purview to do so or whatever. And, right. And so I, then I'd explain like, no, but da, 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 you know, and just give my rationale. And then you'd be like, Okay. Okay. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> no flow there. No flow none, whatsoever. None. Isn't that interesting though? You know, if I, if I think to people listening and, and people um, knowing that they they have a gift, they have a, a unique, I mean, I, I, one of my guideposts is my two values, which is, uh, is authentic contribution. And you have, you have, and had an authentic contribution that you saw you could make in, in your ability, your natural ability, your God given ability to be engineering connection and to create that that sense of connection with people and yet it wasn't a fit there it wasn't wanted there it wasn't it may have been needed but it wasn't wanted there and that doesn't diminish your ability which can sometimes happen people can sometimes think oh it, you know i got reprimanded you, you like i could just sort of picture you like eeyore like oh what did i do <laughs> exactly now? Yeah. And that can be soul robbing, but you know, obviously you left that and, um, and made your way over into an industry where it's, you know, 
what I love is, is that you're not just engineering connection, um, you know, in a, in a unilateral way, but in a very multidimensional way, you're creating connection for these, these florists. I mean, listen, I, I know you on a personal level somewhat and like enough to know, wow, like you do this everywhere. You do this with your family. You do this with the people you meet. I, I've known you for a little bit now, and um, I've never seen anyone be so all in what you do, like you're all in yeah, on what you do. Where did that come from? I think that's another thing that's just been there kind of since day one. Um, well, you know, a little bit of a overachiever from like when I was little, you know, involved in every single like activity after school. And, and I think a lot of it also just um, expectation from my parents, you know, of, of uh, excellence. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was a, a straight A student, you know, valedictorian, captain of the soccer team, you know, that, that, that sort of um, a little bit of, you know, extrinsic expectation, you know, of like, this is what is expected of you that you're supposed to be this. Uh, but that ended up also becoming intrinsic and having that pride of like doing things. And I think, you know, tying that back then to, you know, connection I and, and just joy of being around people. Like I loved hanging out with the band nerds and, and playing in, you know, uh, state jazz band. I loved hanging out with my soccer buddies and, and shooting the shit there. So like all the, you know, I, not that I'm changing who that I, who I am in these different scenarios or people, but I just I'm able to connect and and find joy in in those relationships. Well, I'd almost say that it's the opposite of you. It's not is absolutely not you changing who you are in each scenario. In fact, you're even more yourself. What I what I so appreciate, um, and again, it's affirming why I really wanted to have you on the podcast is that you've really got you've really got it in your bones, your power to be a connector. And that, that, um, is the driving force that has led to these feelings of success. And this feeling of, I love that you really embraced excellence. I mean, some people, uh, you know, under those same circumstances might crumble. It's like, it, it might be too much pressure, right. but you, you actually really rose to that uh, occasion. And I, I guess what I'm curious to know is, are there time, is there a time in your life? Is there a time in your life when you just like, I think about electrical engineering and it has to be two wires that are wrapped together with another four wires that are, you know what I mean? I, I just picture that those servers, when you open up the doors to servers and there's a gazillion, like it's complex actually. Sure. Creating connection is not, is not, um, I don't know. It's anyways, I can't think of a, funny enough analogy, but I do think about it being quite a complex system. And if you were to open up those doors and look at all those wires, it would make sense to you. You would know where the breaker is and you would know where the, which wires were functioning. And so you're, you are like uh, an ability to discern the conduit of energy that is creating this connection. So, you know, despite the fact that it may be complex, where did you notice in a time in your life when you you didn't have that when there the mm. connections just weren't there. The the wires were crossed. Yeah. I mean, the, the example that kind of pops up actually goes to sixth grade. Oh, mm. <laughs> mm. it's getting like the heebie jeebies just thinking about it. Oh, there it is. Uh, and you know, I, I was, I was not your typical kid, you know, like I, I was nerdy. I was, I was into sports. I was into all these things, but I just, I didn't fit into that, um, whatever that mold of being cool or popular, whatever it is, but I desired that. And I was kind of on the fringe of the popular group. Uh, and rather than like, and I didn't at that time have enough, uh, whether it's self-awareness or knowledge to be like, okay, these people aren't going to serve you just forget them, do your own thing. I was kind of pining to be part of the, part of the gang. Mm. Um, and you know, that, that's totally where the wires got crossed. I mean, I remember being invited to a, a sleepover and, you know, I, it was kind of like a, a pity invite mm. <laughs> or a scapegoat invite. Yeah. And, and basically these, Oh man, these girls were ahead of their time. And we had, um, we did something called a, a bitch circle. 
Come on. No, I'm dead serious. It was ridiculous. And so basically you go around like a circle or I think you pick one. I can't remember how it works. I mean, this is sixth grade, but basically it's like, you just say everything from the entire year that you were holding back about like how this person's terrible and what wrong, how they wronged you or whatever. And you just like let it all out. You got to bitch about them to their faces. Totally. Totally. And everyone's just ganging up. But then the whole point of this, after you let everything out is then the group nominates a queen bitch. (gasps) (laughs) This is is so ridiculous. Like even saying this out loud right now, I'm like, Oh my God, like what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, but for I you, like if you think about it, just the, I just you know I, just to give you some some perspective, you, this this really stayed with you as something that was just not on. Like this is not the way the world. It was like you were in this different paradigm, this yeah. this surreal reality. And but for for the others, maybe not so. Maybe that was just the way the world worked, right? Maybe. But for you, it's like wires are crossing left, right, and center here. This totally. is not working. This is Somebody's not going to burn. Exactly. And then just to, to top it all off, like, you know, just to show, like, I, I was nominated queen bitch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can oh. think of nobody who doesn't, I, I can't think of enough double negatives. There isn't right? anyone who fits that, that mold less than you. Uh, but it was just, I mean, again, it was like serving the scapegoat. I wasn't the in, in the, in, you know, inner circle crowd, whatever. So it, it I served their purpose <laughs> for that, uh, for that. Yeah. The, the, the purpose of, you know, I think about what's popular and what's popular is often what's basic. Yeah. What's popular is often not complex. What's popular is often very simple to understand. Everyone can get it. And then that way, it, it robs people of any kind of sense of discernment, creativity, um, u- uniqueness. Like one of my um, my teacher, Suzanne Conrad, uses this word peculiar, and she uses mm. it in such an upgraded, up leveled way that feels like, ooh, what's my peculiar? And how can I be peculiar? And peculiarity as being this thing that's so generative and wonderful. And you knew you were peculiar, yet mass consciousness at a young age and seeing what's popular kind of robbed you of that for a moment, didn't it? For sure. Yeah. And like, and it stayed with me for, for a little bit of like trying to figure out, you know, I, I, yeah, I knew I was different. I love that word peculiar because I've never, I've never owned it. It's just been like a, a word that you kind of say, well, but I, it's I love better it. than nerdy. I'd like you to retire nerdy. How about we'll put that one on the shelf? Thank you very much. You know, it's these these labels, right? That, sure. that and labels are another way of simplifying things. Yeah. And I do it all the time too. It's it's, it's a way of self deprecation and a you know way to to label. Except for that, it's not it's not serving. And guess what? Like you know, um, I think we need to have a much fatter dictionary of labels. You know for that. Sure. that spans us. So yeah, at what point did you did you decide to own your peculiarity? Yeah, I think um it started somewhere in high school. Um, you know, growing up from that like sixth middle school was a was terrible. Let's just forget middle school. I think it should just be banned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty awkward years, aren't oh, they? Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. but I think you know that's where I really you know started you know, owning all the, you know, these multifaceted uh, side. I mean, I've always had it there. So it wasn't like it was completely gone. And then I kind of realized, but I just, what I knew didn't serve me was trying to be, be a part of this crowd. And like, I, you know, had my, my soccer people, my band people, and those, those kinds of groups that, um, you know, where I felt at home and where my strengths were celebrated, right? Mm. Like, man, like I, as a freshman, I got to be in, you know, in jazz band. And then I played in the county and state jazz band throughout high school. And that was like, it wasn't, it wasn't nerdy. It was awesome, you know, like, um, and things like that. And, you know, by sophomore year, I was captain of the varsity soccer team and, you know, just kind of leaning into those strengths and, and being, recognize and celebrating those, um, without a worry of, 
you know, quote unquote, fitting in or, or whatever that mm. meant. Yeah, that mass consciousness popularity, that dulling down, dumbing down, simplifying, making it like so just so uh po- gosh I, I like i'm picturing you know those movies like mean girls and I, yeah. i'm picturing you know <laughs> I, I don't know my instagram feed right now like i i'm just thinking about what what is the most simplified version uh that people can get on board with that is not controversial in any way does not cause any kind of yeah it's it's um the the artistry is completely robbed totally in a sense of popularity. It's boring. It's bland. Yeah. What's popular, you know, what's popular is, um, is yes, is definitely not peculiar. There's no question about that. And yet, you know, what I love what you, you described was this moment of being celebrated. And in that moment, just a tiny, just a little lift and a little, you know, wind under your wings and off you went. It's really all you needed to do. Yeah. I, I love this as a as a, a theme for people to really consider putting themselves in the way of being celebrated hmm. versus putting themselves in the way of being in a bitch circle. <laughs> I we could ask that question, Danielle. Where in your where in your life are you in a bitch circle? And where in your life are you being celebrated? Oh, and man. heck, do more of that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's something to head scratch about. I mean, I I know that in in my life, I have allowed people uh, to be my advisors, to be on my board in my board of directors, which you know, uh, you know, as my uh, holding court for me and telling me what I should and shouldn't do. And in a way, that's like the the, the boardroom is the is the adult version of the bitch circle often. Right. You know, in, in what way now, though, can we uh, put ourselves in the way of people who love us and celebrate us and think we're wonderful? And and did you experience when you put yourself in the way of people celebrating you that you became even more, you know, talented and more artistic and more successful? Yeah, I mean, there's a certain sense of freedom when you're when you're doing that, right? You're not looking behind your shoulder or kind of like, you know, walking on eggshells or whatever metaphor you want, like when you let that guard down, you know, that's, again, that's where that possibility or that magic can, can happen. Um, mm. It's funny. It's something you said just made me think like, I, I wonder if there's also like a, an in-between because like, obviously like, please don't go into the bitch circle ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Ever. Um, yeah. And and I think there's like a duality though for the people who love you and who will celebrate you. They if they love you the the right way, they will also hold you accountable so that you can get called out, right? But in a loving in in the best way possible and be like, hey, not that's in not that you. boss way that had you feel like a exactly Dior. exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So do you you have people obviously? Oh my god, my wife. <laughs> we love her, don't we? Uh, yes. Tell, tell tell us about her. She's amazing. Um, mm. She can she can call me out on my shit even before I know that I'm in shit. Like <laughs> she knows the real you. She totally does. Yeah. Um, no, I mean to talk about you know we're we're different for sure, but she she just has a way of a clear headed coolness that like cuts through the the crap or the whatever and just and they calls it like it is and and mm. it's refreshing and and it's honest and true and you know and it's caring as well so she's she's wonderful uh, yeah yeah it's it's things done with love right that i think that's the ingredient like if if i added you know what's the code that makes connection happen you said intention con- communication practice empathy and you know i i would add to to this list right just love like true truly for sure yeah and like i i love you stop doing that right right I love you. You're off track. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, you're being mean right now. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not mean. Okay, maybe. <laughs> right. And and it, she shows you, she shows you, she reflects back to you who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, and, and like, even when I don't see it and like, you know, mm. I like to think that I, I know it, I've got control over me. I, you know, but she, 
it's funny. Like she can, she can see it before I can see it sometimes. Well, and these, these are the people, like, these are the people we should be partnering with, right? Marriage in business, right? In our lives. And these are the people that we would want at our table. The ones that, you know, can love us enough to say, Hey, stop it. Yeah. For sure, my husband, my husband will do something like, like I'll say I'll, I'll say a label like um, like you did about the nerdy like I'll say something like um, oh, I can't, I'm trying to think of an actual example but I'll, I'll say oh in fact I use the word nerdy about our son I said oh yeah I was telling someone about him he's 14 and I said oh yeah he loves the things he loves to do are those really nerdy things like playing um, a, a playing this game called Magic or Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. and. He, my husband has these very, very telltaling nostrils. They flare <laughs> and they're big. And I just looked at him and he has his nostrils out. And I looked at him and I did like, I mouthed the like, what? what? Like what? And he said, is that really necessary? That's all he said. Like he whispered to me like that in front of these people. So he didn't totally embarrass me in front of people, but he called me out right then and there. He didn't yeah. wait. He didn't, like, it was awesome. That's awesome. You love these partners in our greatness, aren't they? Totally. And we get to be human in front of them. Exactly. And, and vulnerable and, and, you know, show up with our, with our mess and, you know, all that good stuff. So, so speaking of showing up vulnerably and making a mess, t- tell us about your, your music. Yeah. Anyway, I think about music and I think of make a mess, like art, like, yeah, get in there and throw things around. Yes. Um, so yeah, I started playing, uh, piano, I think age four or so started the Suzuki method. Um, my, my siblings, I'm the youngest of four. They all played piano. And so it was kind of like, it's the thing you do. It's start time to start taking piano lessons. Mm. Um, and you know, it's kind of funny because I think I went through that same, a little bit of rebellion phase that a lot of kids will be like, that's it. I hate piano. I'm not doing this anymore and whatever. And, you know, my parents were having none of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they made me stick with it. And I'm, I'm so thankful uh, mm-hmm. they did. And I think it was then in grade school where you pick an instrument for band. And this is a bit of a funny story. I was between the trombone and uh, the saxophone. Mm. and I was kind of leaning toward the sax. I didn't really know. And then this kid in school, I think it's fourth grade, whatever, uh, you know, it was pretty well known that he had a crush on me and I didn't really, I wasn't, I was not reciprocating the feelings. And Mm -hmm. he said that he was going to play saxophone. And so I was like, done, I'm playing trombone. I don't want to sit next to you. Oh, that I was the deciding factor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. You you were not like if I look at your list of you know communication, you were not wanting to be in communication with this no, young I Bella. Did not. Oh Bless gosh. his broken heart. Little I did know. he know. I know. No, no. He never ended up joining band either. So then I was like, ah. man. Oh but. so you played trombone. What I can't even imagine a harder instrument. <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> Big, like I was this little like four year old fourth grader. I don't know what are you nine ten like carrying yeah. this big trombone. <laughs> wow. But and so how did music serve you in in your life and in your career and in and I, I would even offer in your ability to contribute to people. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it was a way like the the study of classical music was one thing because it became more not a, not necessarily a chore, but it was like part of the things that I had to do. Um, but what would happen, especially, you know, even in, I remember in high school, I would be sitting down to like practice piano. I had to practice, you know, an hour a day or, and all that good stuff. Cause I did competitions the whole bit. And I would naturally just start improvising, just starting a riff and starting going. And that's where it really felt free. And like the stress would unload the the mental focus, like the same thing that people talk about when they, when they exercise or run and have that like clarity, uh, and I know that feeling because I because I'm a runner and, and that happens there. It's a similar kind of thing with music, but uh, but more powerful because you're able to then share that with other people. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, right. Different than a long distance runner who is experiencing those endorphin hits and is in a total state of flow. Right. 
which yeah. is wonderful. And, and trust me, I, I love that. And it's a great, like you're in this mechanical rhythm and, and it feels great for your body, but with mm. uh, specifically on the piano, like it's more dynamic because you're moving across the keyboard. So you're not just in a like, uh, you know, sagittal plane movement front to back. You're really wow, moving across it. planes and the action of you being in that state then obviously is, you know, can be shared with other people versus being that solitary uh, runner. Well, and that, that really does remind me of what purpose is all about, you know, that, uh, that your purpose in the world is not to be a solo runner. Your purpose is actually to move people and to connect people. And I think about, you know, if I think about music, music is, is one, one of the most important elements in my life that helps me restore myself. It, it tunes me to the right frequency. Um, a song can convert a mood for me. A song can can um, like affirm a, a principle for me. Totally. Uh, a song will often remind me who I am. But you know, the power of music is something that sometimes overcomes. I'm sure you've experienced this if you look out at your audience that you're looking out at them and they're you can feel them feeling it, can't you? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, I'm not playing in a in a band right now, but when I was living in Boston, I I, I was in a band and like playing you know, in a, in a live setting for people is like huge, like that energy transfer that happens back and forth, like, especially because, you know, I, I played in a uh, funk slash jam band kind of, kind of thing. And like, so there's a lot of improvisation. So, you, you know, we'd have like a, mm. a song that we'd play in, but then we'd go into like spacey tunes and really all out there. And like, but then you like kind of see the crowd and they're, you know, bumping and dancing and moving. And then like that, like inspires you. And then you play a new riff and then they're responding to that. And like, and then it's, what's really cool too, is like an improvisation, especially in a, now in a, in a band setting, you're doing that on stage. So I'm playing something on the keyboard that inspires the bassist. He plays something new. I'm listening to that. And then the guitarist is doing it. So like everyone is in concert there. And sometimes it doesn't quite work, but you adjust quickly. And so like you have that momentum and energy that's being shared on stage, then with the crowd and responding to how they're going. And each thing sort of elevates each other and, and sort of can move in, you know, increase in energy, then bring it back down to something quiet. And it just, oh man. Uh, I need to get out and play. <laughs> yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly. I mean, you're uh, listening to you speak. I, 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 I mean, listen. I am just like your biggest fan because I am in awe of people who are able to do that. I like. I can play chopsticks and like one. <laughs> I think minuet D or something that I learned and I can remember one hand, you know, I can't. <laughs> so the fact that you know how to riff and, and respond. And I love the word you, the words you chose um, to use is being in concert, how you're in concert with each other up on that stage and how really that's such a beautiful metaphor for the way you live your life. You're living your life in concert with your wife and you're living your life in concert with your, your work and the impact you're making. And what I, what I love is a, a book, my very, very favorite book called uh, The Art of Possibility. It was written by, is it your favorite book too? I love it. Yes. Okay, good. You it's written, it. those, for those of you who don't know, it was written by a man named Benjamin Zander and his wife, Rosamond Stone. And in this book, uh, Benjamin Zander is the director of the Boston Philharmonic, no joke, and like serious guy and was also a professor and, you know, taught in schools. And, and w one of his principles, he he talks about he he's really an incredible um, uh, leadership um, uh, developer through principles that he learned um, through music, and one of them is, and you have to you have to correct me if I get this wrong, but I think he called it one butt cheek playing. Oh, yes, <laughs> you remember this. So if you imagine, like those of you listening, imagine Daniela sitting at her at her piano, her keyboard, and she's sitting square and upright, like a you know a good student might be, and plink 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 plink, and then she you know develops herself as a, as an artist, and she really gets going, and she starts to improvise, and then she, her whole body is swaying side to side, and she's lifted her left butt cheek right up off the bench, and she's really leaning into the keys and playing. That's left. There, that's one butt cheek playing. And he talked about how let's do that in life. Like be a one butt cheek 
player in the in the world. And I, I love that that improvis, improvisation created for you the sense of flow and that flow state. It, oh God, it it moved people, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny as you were talking, I just uh, was reminded my piano teacher in, in high school. Uh, you know, this is now not improvisation, but I was you know learning. I think it was a piece by Schubert, and it was, it was a very musical piece, and like. I was playing all the right notes and she was kind of like, okay, you, you have the technical thing down, but like let that musicality really shine through. And one of the things that she recommended that I do in, in practicing was actually to sing the melody while playing the piano. I'm not a singer. I, I mean, I can, I can carry a tune, but that's definitely not my strength, but it unlocks something because now you're forced to do the breath, the phrasing, the, you know, the ups and the downs and that, like literally unlocked the ability to have my, you know, body and my hands and my arms and the whole thing, like get that musicality and that phrasing just by singing along. And, you know, I, I just, I didn't really make the connection until now, but you hear uh, or see, if you go see a, uh, a jazz performance, a lot of jazz guitarists, when they're improvising, they kind of are singing under their breath. Oh, you know, like Glenn Gould, Glenn Gould, the pianist. Oh yes, exactly. I love him. Yes. You can always hear him hum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love this because, I mean, obviously we're speaking about your incredible craft. And for those of us who are listening to you who don't have that same um, relatability, it's so relatable though in life and in work and in marriage and in parenting that, you know, to the importance of opening up all your senses, mm-hmm. uh, open up your voice, your touch, your smell, like open up all the senses to unlock the experience and try, stop trying, like stop trying to get it right. Stop trying to have it be perfect and let it, let it be. For sure. That's such a great reminder. I really appreciate it so much. And I, I have to say um, that one of the, my favorite musical experiences was um, there's an island in British Columbia called Salt Spring Island. And over on Salt Spring, it's very artsy. It's very, um, lots of music, lots of uh, pottery. And and my son um, at the time was 12 and he had picked up the violin and he, he was really into playing the violin. And so I sent him, he really, really, really wanted to go to something called fiddle camp. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll send him to fiddle camp, not really appreciating what this camp was about. It was incredible. And without going into what it was all about, it, I mean, listen, I'll just bottom line, this camp was about music and the power of music. And so there were not just violinists, there were fiddlers, there was guitar, there was um, movement, there was a lot of different aspects to it. And so I um, stayed on the island somewhere else um, with a girlfriend while he was at camp. And I went one day to go and, and hear what, what they called, I can't even remember, I think they called it a seminar. So they'd play all of them together and they were in this beautiful old barn, this gorgeous, gorgeous old barn that was on this huge property. And there they all were, adults, kids, teens, all ages, and they all had their instruments and they gathered for assembly where they played three songs that they had been learning throughout the week. And so there I was amongst a few other parents in the back, you know, just sort of ready to listen to, as I often referred to cat screeching was <laughs> listening to him, you know, play a violin, <laughs> with, you know, learning it was like, ay, yeah, yeah. So I was sort of expecting, not really expecting much. And within the first three chords of them playing in this barn, the resonance, the depth of the sound of the instruments. I was a puddle of tears. And my poor kid, he was standing right in front of me and he sort of turned back to look at me and I'm streaming with tears. And he like kind of goes, oh my God, mom. <laughs> right? And he keeps going. But the the it was the impact on my body. The, yeah. the, the resonance of the sound just rocked me to my core. And it, it actually unearthed something in me that I actually never really needed to name. I didn't need to go back and go, what was that? It just felt, I felt something new. And, and for that, I was so grateful. And I'm so grateful to you for being committed to your craft and for loving music the way you do. Well, thank you. Actually, as you were talking, it reminded me, have you heard of the book, um, Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks? Um, no, but it's on my list now. It's on your list. Um, it's the power of music is so 
Uh, and you were you were talking about it earlier, and it's so true. But um, I'm not going to do it justice because it's been a while since I read it. But there's all these stories of, uh, you know, someone who had Alzheimer's or has Alzheimer's, excuse me, and they were a musician, you know, earlier in their life, and they literally cannot, ha- they don't have the muscle memory anymore to button their shirt, mm. put them in, on, you know, in front of the piano, and all of a sudden, bloop, you know, they can play. Or, you know, someone who's nonverbal and then they hear the song and they're able to sing. So it's like these mm. these things that go so far into our core, into our being, and music mm-hmm. kind of unlocks this thing. It's like it, it's powerful. Um, so I get it. I know I know that feeling that you're talking about and, and it's true. And that's the, the power of music for sure. My coach will often say to me, Aaron, stop thinking feel? What do you feel? Because I'd be like, I think I, no, stop thinking, feel. (laughs) So I really appreciate this reminder that really music isn't something to think about. A lot like poetry, you know, we don't think about it. We feel something or art on the wall. And something that I really believe is that life is art. And, you know, life is our opportunity to be in concert. It's so funny just hearing you say that because I think I I personally sometimes struggle with like, oh, I I need to be still. I need to like, I need to be, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm like, Mm -hmm. and my power is in action. I'm like, let's go. I got to do stuff, you know. That's the engineer in you. It's totally, right? Mm -hmm. But I think music is what allows me to be, right? I'm Mm -hmm. not good at just being like sitting on the couch and being like, oh, let me just feel whatever. Like I could still work on meditation, all that good stuff, but I think music is my meditation and it allows me to have that like transcendence kind of thing. My mother would always say, uh, you know, she would, she was an artist. She was actually an incredible, an artist and very humble, a lot like you. And she, um, she would take me to galleries and she would, we would stand in front of these pieces of art and she would say, you know, now look at that. Like, look at the brushstroke and the energy. And, and I'd be like, I don't really like it, you know, or I don't like that one. And she would always say, no, no, Erin, it's not about what you like and don't like. It's what you respond to. How does it make you feel? And I'd sort of stay there a little longer and I'd say, well, you know what? It actually pisses me off. It, this painting makes me angry. She said, wonderful. That's great. The artist has stirred something up in you and that's the intention. Yeah. You know, it, I don't have to be right about everything. I don't have to have everything make sense. Totally. And so I, um, I, what, one thing that, that the, the audience needs to know is that you wrote and produced the music in this podcast. <laughs> yes. What a contribution. What what I love about this story is you heard the first season and you emailed me and said, Aaron, 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 I want to write your you know, music <laughs> for season two. Pick me, pick me. And so when season two, you know, became a thing, you, you were my first email and Daniela, it's time. It's time. Within seconds you sent me a draft and yes. you know you're you're just so all in on on the power of music and what what is it that that you that you hope music can do for people beyond what we've you know what we've been exploring but what what's something that you hope music can do it's just that it can can touch people and i think what's what's so amazing about music is that it it meets you where you are right um it's not an equation. It's not something to solve. It's something to, to sit with. And, and it means something different to each person. I mean, similar to reading, like a, a, we could, you and I could read a sentence in a book. And because of my past experience and your past experience, we will get a slightly different lens or view, even on the, the words are the exact same. Wow. Um, and that even happens even in a deeper degree with music because there are no words. There's no interpretation of like one plus one equals two. And this is exactly what you're supposed to take away from this thing right here, right now. Um, There's no follow-up now. Exactly. Did you get this, this, this from the song? <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, wine tasting. You have like all these snobs who are like, Oh, I smell this. And blah, 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 blah. like I bet the best wine tasting I went to was someone who was like, throw all that out the window. It's like ice cream. 
you do you like it or do you not kind of like your mom was saying was like what does it make you feel exactly it's like rocky road do you like it great that's that's all you need to know if you like it um oh how liberating you know and one of the things you said is is actually that word that word of of freedom i i've i've heard lots of people speak about their their ability to be liberated from their own perfectionism or their own sense of control or need to know. And that what's on the other side of that really is like true freedom. And now the kind of freedom I'm not talking about is like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, I can work from the beat. It's not that it's actual internal freedom, the freedom to move and express and, uh, and to experience and to sense that that is what I get from you. I think it's it's so powerful, and the combination that makes you so fascinating is you have all of that and this engineer's mind, so that you get to you get to you have the you have the ability to, and in fact, I would say it's your purpose is to create it is to engineer connection. So even your music has to be engineered on some way, in some level. There can't be background noise or I don't know, whatever. You have to hit the right keys in order for people to experience new levels of connection. Yeah. For sure. I've never known anyone like you. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of that bitch, girl. Girl, Get out. (laughs) I'm out. It's so far. So far. So far. Oh, I really, I really appreciate this as a, as a as an access and a reminder of the power of art and how um, how important it is in our lives and what a blessing it is to have. You know, my my son's grade in his his school, they're reading To Kill a Mockingbird, and and I read that book and found yeah. it to be fascinating and um and wonderfully written and you know incredible piece of literary art. In fact, it was nom- didn't didn't she win a Pulitzer Prize for it? And mm-hmm. and then I discovered I told my friend this, and she said, Aaron, that book is banned. And I I had no I actually had no idea that it, the book is banned in schools across the United States. And, I mean, I read it in school in the U.S., but yeah, this is. Uh, Right. So, you know, this, this to me is, is the, is, um, is the gift of art that it causes controversy, that it causes us to think, that it causes us to be disrupted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the whole point. It it makes you feel uncomfortable. That's the whole freaking point. Like (laughs) you don't get to just choose history and, and, and whitewash it and feel good about it. Oh, it it is, it is not a popularity contest. I, I think that that, that feels to me like the bottom line of what, what, what you're all about and that what makes you so wonderful and magical and special is that you're just not here to be popular and popular is average. Popular is, is safe and um, it's like it reminds me of mashed potatoes. I don't know. Like everybody <laughs> likes mashed potatoes. Like, oh. yeah. It's like really quite um, quite courageous to own your peculiar and to be um, so – so enraptured by what moves you and so that you can actually move people. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Daniela, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I, I, I'm so glad that I found out that you have this incredible gift that's within you. And I'm so grateful for your contribution to this podcast in every way. So thank you so much. You are welcome. I'm happy to, to be here. And we'll be, I'll be sharing some, um, you know, of Daniela's quips, of course, she, she's uh, full of wisdom and, uh, and I'm, and again, I'm really grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the power to be podcast. Thanks again to my guest for sharing so generously and for really lighting us up. And it's my hope that each of you who is listening is feeling inspired to get out there and live big and serve powerfully. The world is waiting for that special gift that you have. We'll see you next week.